G'day, good morning, and welcome to Uplift, Uplifting Conversations to Set Your Heart on Fire. My name is Sarah Wade, and I don't know about you, but I've had relationships before. If you have too, come and join the show. We've got lots to share with you. you are joining us whether you're watching us live or in replay no we appreciate you welcome to uplift uplifting conversations that set your heart on fire we have an amazing guest with us today but first my name is sarah wade and i'm an art therapist and coach in perth and western australia as usual my amazing co-host from calgary alberta canada mr niels russell thank you sarah and it's so good to see you um as sarah said my name is neil russell um uh, i am a life coach an author and don't tell anyone, but I'm a friend to the guy below here as well. <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear. And joining us is Rick Martin, who is a relational life therapist. And we'd love to hear more about you, Rick. Oh, thanks, Sarah. Neil, uh, love to be here. Uh, wow. Um, when I get asked that question, I really don't know where to start. Uh, um, <laughs> Um, as we were kind of kidding in the beginning there, the snow and the trees kind of gives it away. I've got a little bit of uh, mileage, uh, and especially when it comes to relationships. Uh, I am on my third relationship right now, uh, and it has got to be the most exciting, thrilling experience of my life. Um, you know, the first two were utter roller coasters, um, ending devastatingly wrong uh, on a lot of parts. And uh, I come into the third relationship thinking, well, you know what? I've already kind of done two. And uh, yeah, the third one, third one should be a blast. Uh, and no. Uh, and then, um, thankfully, a friend, uh, sadly, not Neil, uh, but uh, a friend uh, introduced me to relational life therapy and changed my life, changed my partner's life and changed us forever. Uh, so, yeah, I am now a full-time, 100% full-fledged marriage counselor here in Alberta. Uh, but I take people from all around the world. Uh, my clients are all across Canada and the U.S. currently right now. So, uh, yeah, uh, me in a nutshell. Oh, yeah, the other thing that I like to drop on people is that I have uh, 15 grandchildren and four great-grandchildren. Uh, so I have a little bit of experience in uh, in that process. So. I remember three. Who's the fourth one? The fourth one? Oh, Janice just had a son. Oh, sorry. No, uh, uh, Tatiana just had uh, her first little boy. So Scott's ah, youngest daughter. I'm, I'm counting and I'm like, Rick and I have known and we were we were discussing this backstage, but we're going to get closer to 30 years and I'm saying closer to 20 years and well, our calendars will figure figure it out. And even though this is my impression and my thought, even though um, I thought Rick said that his third marriage, I mean, his third relationship was 
um, he's talking about life partners as opposed to his relationships as to the relationship he has with his children, with the relationship that he and I have. So do you do, is it primary life partners or partners relationships that you deal with? Or is it uh, relationships with people's kids or families, friends? Anybody that is in relationship with anybody that needs support and help, I'm there. Uh, marriage counseling just kind of got a label, but it's really far more relational. Uh, first and foremost, where did you or I, or, or Sarah, where did you learn how to be in relationship uh, with uh, uh, that comes out in your relationships currently right now? Well, we learned that from our parents. Uh, we learn that from our social system that we grow up in from a very, very young age. And we don't really get the best tools a lot of the time. And so that's where I step in and start teaching new tools. And it doesn't matter whether it's... Uh, and Sorry. It, go ahead. So when you step in, what are some of those tools that you find you're often giving to some of your clients? Great question. Um, I have a huge toolbox uh, full of tools that can be shared. First and foremost is number one, uh, learn how to take a time out and do it gracefully. It's like a circuit breaker to an argument. Uh, when one or both are getting frustrated, uh, one of you can call a timeout, but the timeout has rules. It's not just walking oh, away or shooting oh, down an oh. argument. What do you mean? Yeah. Is this not Rules. me picking Rick, Rick up and putting him in his corner? There's Sorry, rules? Neil. No, you, no, that's 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 caveman style, buddy. That's that's got to go. Okay, so that one is out. So now talking about a more respectful way to do this. So what are the rules to a respectful way for a timeout? Yeah, it's to come together as an agreement within the relationship. And it doesn't matter who the relationship is. Everybody can use the adult rules to the timeout. Uh, it got a name called the Ten Commandments to the timeout. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a hint. It's not scriptural. It's not biblical. Uh, but you should follow these like the Ten Commandments. It's like, kind of like the golden rules. Number one is you make the agreement. You, you set a contract between each other that you will respect the relationship first you can get angry, you can get mad, you can get upset, great. But if somebody calls a time out, then you need to be able to put a pause on and then have a set time that you're going to check back with the partner to find out whether or not the partner who's gotten frustrated or upset is okay enough to come back and actually have a cup of tea or coffee or, or something, or just calm enough to have a discussion. Uh, simply what will happen and, and that's really paraphrasing the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to go through all of them uh, in, in the time that we uh, limit here. Uh, but I'd like to add in that what happens in an argument first, right? So we start out, we're on a kind of a level playing field. And, and just about everybody experiences this at some level in just about all relationships. So we start out at some, and somebody steps in, doesn't matter which side, steps in, says something that might be a little bit off-colored or a little bit upsetting or to the other person. And so the other person will get triggered and say something in response. And then that triggering will happen because obviously this person didn't get hurt or it wasn't appropriate in the first place. So they now need to retaliate. And then there's this continuous retaliation. We call that in the industry, the more, the more. So an argument can start out as 
you didn't take the garbage out. And all of a sudden now we're arguing about finances and the kitchen sink not being repaired or something totally obscure that happened two years ago uh, instead of being on topic. So this is where the time out can come into play and you can short circuit that for the betterment of the relationship. So with that being said, in betterment of the relationship, we work on the premise, or I work on the premise, of, and Neil, you're going to like this one a lot. <laughs> there is no longer I'm right or who's right. It's now a situation of what is right for the relationship. So when I come at it or when I teach my couples or any relationship to come to a place of what's right for the relationship, right? Uh, am, am I going to die on my sword about being right just for the sake of being right? How healthy is that inside my relationship? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I changed the dynamic. I changed the context of what happens inside that relationship of counseling, of coaching, of being a support system. Uh, I'm not there to psychobabble anybody by any far stretch of the means, but I'm also there to call them on their stuff and let them see what's actually happening in the moment. So I love that the concept of, of letting go of being right. I wonder how many relationships or arguments or heated discussion, whatever you want to put at it, could be halted in its tracks as soon as we let go, I let go of the need to be right. Yeah, absolutely. That, that can solve so many issues, concerns, complaints um, uh, very quickly. However, we are human beings yeah. and we haven't been given the tools in general and i'm it is a big broad brush that i'm painting generally here uh and especially with the couples that i i get to work with uh they've all experienced this every one of them uh, of course they're coming seeking help and that is that they didn't get the tools on how to be rational how to how to listen to your partner we all have we all have different perspectives of what our belief systems are and I know I didn't go through my religious upbringing or school or my relationships, nor did I witness my parents sit down and be rational with each other and accept that one or the other had an opinion about something and took it as that. Okay, great. I understand you now. I don't agree, but I understand where you're coming from. Thank you for sharing that. That's a totally different perspective than hammering your point home for the sake of your belief of being right and just causing chaos in the relationship. I know as a parent, I've found that quite often. And you know, we have to say, I hear you. I get that. And at times, you know, that big deep breath in and just me taking a breath, my six-year-old will automatically take a breath with me and we're able to... Yeah have that moment not necessarily the time out and we've certainly had timeouts in the past 
What would you recommend um, for someone who has children who wants to set them up in the future so that they're having good relationships? How would you how would you assist that person to help their child to help them in the future? I hope that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, my best way of describing that is to work with that individual person so that they become the best possible role model for your children. That could entail just about anything, but it's all about that personal work that you do if, if you're single. And if you're in relationship, the greatest gift that you can give your kids is the ability to have a relational life together so that they don't have to seek out somebody like me. Uh, and each case is different. There is no magic pill. Um, we all bring our own baggage to the relationship and it's to be able to come to a place of acceptance, understanding, and then hang on to this one, reparent yourself to become a better partner so that your kids can witness just like what you and I have already witnessed growing up. Right. And especially if you have a six year old, Oh my goodness, what a, what a fragile transition point in the next year for this child, male or female, if you don't mind me asking. She's female. Female. Okay. Wow. Um, she's still in the, at age six. Yeah. She'll be seven in her, Okay, strap in, Mom. Um, <laughs> seriously, strap in. Uh, because that beautiful brain that your little six-year-old has been experiencing as being a, this big sponge, uh, she's been in theta. And she's going to start switching from that almost hypnotic, playful, imaginative state where she's absorbed absolutely everything around her now she's going to start challenging and setting her just like you and I and Neil and everybody else has done around that age, six and a half, seven, seven and a half, eight age bracket, male or female pending that the brain shifts and goes into alpha. And now the brain's going to start playing the great protector. And so whatever she's learned, she's going to adapt to, and she's going to challenge absolutely everything. Uh, so that's what I mean. Strap in, you're in for some fun. <laughs> so oh, wow. be the yes. best, be the best possible role model for her uh, moving forward is, is always the best answer. Oh, I love that. oh, thank you for that, Tiff. And I trust that it serves other people too. I think, you know, Uplift, we've got so many things that we can give to so many people. So thank you for the personal insight. And also I, I trust that it helps others. Oh. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, aside from having children, when you move into adulthood and you're having your first relationship, I don't know about you and, you know, maybe the viewers can tell you if you've ever had a bad relationship or a relationship that didn't go so well and you've ended for one reason or another, the lessons that we learn or, or don't learn when people come to see you, Rick, are they repeating the same cycle or have, or have they learned something and then moved on? Um, a lot of times the the clients that come to me and 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 in relationship I, I just want to set this premise right now it doesn't have to be heterosexual relationship it can be any mixed gender relationship whatsoever right it, it really doesn't matter people are people are people um and we're all here to be in relationship and we never really learn how to be in relationship so in answer to your question the uh, 
it's we continuously make the mistakes that we learned growing up and we don't know the difference. So uh, I call it, we're in autopilot and especially inside relationships. And that autopilot is that knee jerk reaction of defense. And we don't most times recognize that that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, the couples that I see have typically already gone to psychologists, sociologists, social workers, who are not trained in relationship dynamics, but the, for the most part, they're trained on an individual premise. And so they get a little bit damaged, my judgment, my, my words. Uh, and then they find me and go, oh my God, uh, you know, uh, why didn't we get this, you know, in two hours uh, with me, then they would have already had spent lots of hours with somebody who didn't have that relational understanding. Um, sorry, I, I kind of went off yeah. on a on a little bit of a whoo there. The, um, it, it's, it really yeah. Go ahead, Neil. It's it's fun. It's because I've I've been involved in Rick's life and seen some of the pieces that he brings into his relationship coaching, and as our the dynamics of our couples that we're learning from our parents. But it's even worse now is that we've had parents that have split and divorced and split and divorced. So we're learning how to adapt and base our relationships on fractured relationships. And so as it's like Rick sat me down one time and drew this beautiful uh, family tree, uh, family dynamics chart out of a of a of a a previously married couple and kids and all of this. And when we're in relationship, it's in, we're in relation. We bring all of the baggage of all of our previous relationships. And now we have to start from there in every relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, Sarah, did, I, I'm sorry, did that answer your question in any way, shape or form? Or would you like to restate your question? <laughs> no, it did. And I appreciate that. I think that, um, okay. I don't know about you, but but I've personally seen quite a few people repeating that cycle, and I love that you brought up the, the relationship dynamics because you, so many of us have, as you said, gone and seen someone for ourselves. And um, what I've noticed is quite often, you know, one person's more interested in getting the help than the others. Yep. So further to that, Rick, if if say you're in a relationship and more one person wanted some help than the other. Do you have any tips or tricks that could help? Not necessarily a trick because we're not trying to trick that other person to come and get some help, but if you got any tips that would help that person to say, hey, I'd, I'd really like to work on this relationship, let's go. Yeah, I've had that question asked so many times. You know, I want to bring my partner. I, I know that we need counseling um, and my partner is just dragging their feet and, and don't think that, that we need any support. Great. Maybe your partner doesn't need support at this moment in time, or and obviously they're not ready. So let's just sit down. We'll, you know, here, here's a free 30 minute intro. Uh, let's just meet and then they can decide. Um, I have a great little story about a couple that I've been working with for a while. Uh, if, if you don't mind, I'll, I, I'd love to share their story with their permission. I can share their story. Um, and, and it's only from a, a high level. Um, the wife was doing, uh, like you said, individual counseling. And the individual counselor said to her that uh, you, you need some marriage counseling. 
And so she went, oh, okay, sure, we'll give it a try. And her fear was is that her partner wasn't going to buy in, wasn't going to do anything. Uh, and so uh, they're a little bit out in, in the boondocks and uh, here in northern Alberta. And so this, uh, the, the counselor found me and asked me if I was open to working with them. And I said, sure. And um, I, you know, we did our first 30 minutes and he sat there the whole time didn't change like i couldn't even tell whether or not he was breathing right he just sat there with this stone face on anyways at the end of the session at the end of our 30 minutes he says yeah okay you're a pretty straight shooter uh, uh, sure we'll 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 go forward and and we'll see so long story short within 2 months he went from this hardened farm boy uh, who wouldn't talk to his partner about anything other than farm-related business, uh, spend hours out in the barn or the field or whatever, would only come in for a meal and to sleep, basically. Uh, and her request was, in the beginning of our session, was that she wanted to be able to communicate better with her partner because she was feeling very alone. Anyways, two months in, she can't get rid of him. Uh, that's how much work we did. He is getting out of the field. He's home at dinner time, at lunch. Uh, he's finding excuses to get out of doing the work and getting his sons to do the work for him so that he can go home and spend time with his partner. And they're just absolutely loving life. And they've been married for 40 years. Oh, so beautiful. All, all I did was just walk him through the fact of, hey, buddy, wake up you got this gal sitting beside you that just wants to love you and you've tuned her out. And, uh, and there's a whole lot more backstory behind it. But once he got behind it, oh, uh, the, the work that he's done, um, I wish all my couples did his work. And, and that really comes down to um, answering what I perceive to be another question. Uh, I get this question all the time um, as to um, does marriage counseling work? Uh, yeah. How did you know we were going to ask that? <laughs> I, get, I get that question all the time. It's on my website too. You just go to my FAQs. It's one of the first questions. Does marriage counseling really work? Uh, yeah, it does. Only if you're willing to do the work. Period. Yeah, I mean, like, I want just go in and be like, I want it my way. I'm not going to listen if it's anything other than that. That that doesn't work. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> I have I have fired couples because they're not willing to do the work. So I, I set a standard right up front. My sessions are two hours. I don't believe in the 50-minute hour, uh, which is kind of standard for generalized counseling that's out there. Uh, my sessions are two hours in length and a commitment of four two-hour sessions at the end of the four sessions. So after eight hours of work with me, uh, it's either you're going to fire me or we're going to move forward or I'm going to fire you. It's as simple as that. There's way too many couples out there that need this work. I'm not going to be the guy that sits there. You sitting on my couch, just whining and complaining. Um, you need to do the work. It's as simple as that. I love that you do the two hour session. I do 90 minute sessions personally, because I find that after an hour, you're sort of only starting to get into it. 
before it's time to leave. And in my personal experience, if I've seen someone for the 50-minute hour, I'm a bit raw when I leave. So uh, in your experience, that two hours sort of that gives them that chance to really open up and get what they need out of the session. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. And then I get out of the session also uh, the dynamic of having two-way conversations only, not three-way, but two-way conversations only, and then I'll circle the conversation. So I'll, go, I'll be checking back and forth between the partners, right? Is that right? Did you experience that or, or did, did you understand that? And so it, it really kind of opens the door to deeper conversation. And then we start working backwards. You know, well, where did you learn that bad behavior? Somebody obviously had to teach you that. And then we look at that point and then bring it forward on how it's affecting you today. Uh, we don't really get into that work until after the fourth session. That's when we really roll up our sleeves. Uh, up to that point, it takes about eight hours to really break the family dynamic down, uh, to give me a good hold as to what's actually happening for a couple and be able mm -hmm. to get them on a good starting path forward uh, on, on their recovery and yep it is it's recovery uh i'm in relationship recovery big time and you have to be doing the work all the time right all the time i've noticed you've used this word this overused phrase rick people if in my relationship if they just did it my way it would be so much easier but you're 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 saying that there's like this two-way thing called communication you keep bringing this up. <laughs> okay, well, there's actually three. It's not just two, okay? Oh. There's your story, there's her story, and then there's maybe the truth. Fair <laughs> <laughs> What about me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What about me? What about my story? Um, yeah, th there's all sorts of dynamics that, that really come into play that I, as, as a support system, and that's really what I am. Uh, neither one of whoever it is that shows up for couples counseling, neither one of those persons become my direct client at all. Uh, and I tell my couples right up front, the relationship is my client. And if there's children involved, they're my leverage to the relationship to make it work, to change those patterns that have got them sitting in front of me. So. Love that. Kids, kids in relationships. Are, like, I grew up um, in the 80s and I think not quite half of my friend's parents would have been divorced. Yeah. These days uh, it's quite different. So I think having the awareness, as Neil said, you know, that fractured relationship and coming back together really helps. When people come to see you and they do have these fractured relationships, is it best to also see somebody else to work on your own stuff or would you say stick with the relationship counseling first that is going to be completely dependent upon the individuals within the relationship what is it the what is the work that they need to do on themselves uh, and and i don't want to go to the dsm diagnoses <laughs> of uh you know uh, what is a mental health issue uh that that just drives me absolutely bonkers uh, there's so many things that, in my judgment, need to get pulled out of the DSM. Marriage counseling, and I need to say this right up front, marriage counseling is not in the DSM as a 
medically treatable practice in any way, shape or form, nor is it seen by anywhere in the world as far as insurance or uh, Medicaid or Medicare or here in, in Canada, the, uh, our healthcare system. It's only seen as self-help, not a medically treatable, diagnosable disease. Yeah. Is there a way around that? You mentioned before relationship dynamics. Is that a way around it? Or is there just no? Uh-huh. No. All right. Um, all right. You just opened up a door here. People, uh, seriously, people, the, the first sense, and, and I've been following, tracking this for the last almost four years now. Uh, so I've got over... Uh, just under 400, I don't remember the exact number, just under 400 data points. Uh, so couples that I've worked with uh, on this that have sought out, uh, nine, uh, what was it, uh, 82% of that, my data points have sought out uh, an individual counseling system to work on their relationships. And I've got nothing but horror stories, like literally nothing but horror stories that the counselor, because they're trained to work on the individual, not the relationship. And so they've gone to two or three different ones. Well, why did they even go to psychologists in the first place? Well, I need to go see quote unquote counselor, therapist, whatever. And I'm not going to go to the church, right? Uh, Because we're going to get religionized uh, because clergy and and that sort of stuff, right? Uh, I'm serious. I'm taking this right out of my data points. I'm not making any of this stuff up. Uh, And it comes down to even Google. And and you could do it right now in Australia. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. Go ahead and Google marriage counseling and psychologists and sociologists and social workers come up to the top of the list because that's the definition in Google, Right. Yeah, Mary, I'm been struggling with Google to get me uh, out of the definition, right? Even though that they gave me the designation of um, uh, relationship and couples therapy, right? It's still underneath because of the word therapy. It's still underneath psychology, right? And so that's how people land, or or because there's such cost, and they have work insurance. Right. So they have a, an employee benefit package that says, yeah, you know, you can have uh, counseling services. So you have to follow their prescribed list of people. Right. Uh, that's dangerous is all get out. Uh, I had one couple do that and he contacted me almost immediately saying you know, he found me uh, luckily. Anyway, so we had a long conversation. Long story short was, is that his wife took that the advice after 45 minutes, it wasn't even a 50 minute hour, it was 45 minutes through her company's benefit program. And the counselor turned around and says, you need at least a six week break away from him. And he never got to say a word. And she did. She took that light and just she left. And so I've never been able to talk to her ever since. So yeah, that's the danger of, um, the whole DSM and how our system is, is put together. So when you go back to the fractured families, the blended, which is um, I have children, you have children, right? And we bring them together. That's kind of step, but now you go blended. Now we have children, right? And there's lots of cases like that. Um, 
there are huge dynamics that get totally missed when going to an individual counselor. And so, yeah, they will do, uh, you need, you know, uh, you're, you're in extreme depression and you need to work with me for, uh, you know, um, the next six months, uh, twice a week type thing. And um, yeah, they're depressed. Absolutely. But if you're not solving problems at home, how working on your own personal depression going to change that? So this is where the dynamic of relationship comes in. Um, I have suggested two couples to go seek individual counseling. Um, I'm not adverse at all to doing individual counseling as long as it's going to be in support and in direction of what the relationship needs uh, with the understanding that the partner will share uh, with the one that isn't in individual counseling with me so that there's no secrets or nothing's hiding, right? Um, because it's all about building trust. So trust, especially yeah. in relationships. <laughs> where do we where do we go wrong with trust then? What have you noticed, Rick? Oh goodness, uh, th there is another can and of worms that we five, can really come into. Five week program, one hour a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it Bernie Brown did a really great thing. I don't know if you've uh, followed her or watched any of her TED Talks, but she talks about her daughter and uh, the trust jar that her daughter would put marbles in the trust jar. And so here, here a five or six-year-old child was learning how to uh, designate who she could trust and who she couldn't trust. Our society today is riddled with mistrust. So how can we rebuild or put trust into a relationship when there's all the stuff going on outside. Uh, like I said, this is a, a big can of worms and, and it really needs to be dealt with on an individual couple basis. Yeah. Uh, I wish there was something that, I, you know, I, I wish I had my magic wand boonk, and now you can trust each other. Uh, no, um, doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and especially when there's infidelity. Yeah, and my addition to that is is it's it's earned or it's it's built as your relationship is built. Rick and I've had a relationship for many years and we went out for a lunch we ran out for a meal and Rick says to me I'm uh, I'm uh, involved in this men's group and we're doing a weekend and my question to him was uh, would I get something out of it and he said yes. And then I said, okay, I'll go. And then I think my follow-up question is, was the logistics of how to get there, how much was it in, to get there? But that was it. That was because the implicit trust was there because he had not, in this, in our relationship, he hadn't broken trust. to from, And he'd always shown that value to what he, his opinion, like he said, so I could easily trust it. And when I went for the weekend, I enjoyed it and I got value from it. So it built his container of trust up. So uh, for couples, all I would say is you just have to keep building that container. One, yeah. And you're absolutely right on, Neil, with that. Uh, it, it is, it's an ongoing 
minute by minute trust building, not day by day or week by week. It's minute by minute. Uh, it's being impeccable with how you are within the relationship, how aware and conscious you can become. Uh, a lot of relationships that I work with, uh, they're, uh, one is conscious, one isn't conscious. Uh, and, and that's a deeper conversation uh, because there are two levels of consciousness uh, within a relationship. Uh, there's just being present as in, okay, I'm, I get up in the morning and, you know, it's breakfast and all right, um, uh, the, whoever the, you know, if you're both work, then you both head out the door and you do your jobs and you come back and you have a meal and you might have some laughs and you go to bed and you do it all over again the next day. Uh, and then there is, hi, hon, how you doing? Is, uh, what is it that I can do today to help you and be a part of and build that trust? Uh, and that's what Edna and I have got going on. Uh, and it's and it's beautiful. Uh, it, it really is. So that's a learned skill to be able to come into second consciousness. And it's um, in our training, we get taught uh, within relational life therapy that it's far better to ask your partner what it is that you can do for them to get what it is that you need. So actually asking that question helps. Who would have thought, right? As so many, uh, often we've been taught, you know, to treat someone how you would like to be treated. In my experience, yeah. asking that question, how do you want to be helped, makes all the yeah. difference. So that's what you're speaking to there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in, in my personal case, uh, Edna and I, uh, it's, okay, hon, what can I do for you today uh, to help you out? And then there's a reciprocity that we've just, evolved into every couple is going to do it differently. Uh, there's no, uh, there's no cookie cutter for this one. It's learning how to be relational. So taking your need to be right or need to be heard or need to be in control out of the equation, support your partner so that in return at some point, wherever that falls into play, have your needs met? But Rick, I want to ask with the entire intention of that you're immediately going to give reciprocal the idea and give me what I want. No, that's what I was just saying. It's going to happen. And it's an agreement and a contract that you have to have with your partner. One partner just can't come in and expect that if I do something nice for you, that I'm going to get something nice in return, right? That's just arrogance. Uh, the, the, somebody will turn around and sulk. Somebody will just, they'll, they'll become um, passive aggressive about it uh, in inside a relationship. If there is, you have to let go of outcome. You have to let go, let go of expectation. Those are relationship killers. What if, what if before you did that, you spoke about the mental load? Because I know that a lot of people struggle with that, um, the, the lack of awareness of what the other person is doing. So before you take the breaks off, is, is that a step that you would recommend, Rick? Oh, absolutely. Right in the very beginning in, in with you know, either before the end of my first session with them or deep into this, right at the beginning of the second session is to get that communication started uh, so that they start hearing each other. 
and even inside the session, uh, going back and forth, uh, uh, I'll do my best to pay attention to the body language of both partners as, uh, as we're talking. And I'll see one partner starting to squirm or get upset. Yeah, exactly. Or get closed off. And then it'll be, see, that's what I get. Right. Oh, okay. That language we need to just kind of put a pause in right for the moment. All you've just done is just reinforced them being closed off. So let's ask and find out why are they being closed off? What is it that's coming out for them uh, that's causing this? And then we work backwards with that person until we find out where the actual trigger is. It's There's a lot of work here. Uh, there really is. So is that where you've seen a lot of maybe passive aggressive things coming up? Like, you, you know, you not maybe washing someone else's dishes or, or you know, those little things. I'm not going to iron your shirts because we, we didn't arrange that I was going to do everything. Is that what is sure. that the sort of line that you're going down or have I misinterpreted what you're saying? No, there is a, there is a time and a place for that. If one partner uh, is really not being nice in the relationship, then absolutely. Why, why is the person bending over backwards for them? So stop doing the little things that you would have normally done. Uh, you, you need some sort of leverage over your partner to get them to come to a place of awareness, not beat them up, not tear them down, but get them to come to a place of awareness that this behavior is unacceptable. And especially if the communication is not good. A lot of times, and I, and I don't mean to be um, challenging on this in any way, shape, or form. Um, I grew up in the early part of the 60s, uh, and so right at the first wave of the feminist movement, well, second wave of the feminist movement, um, and grew up in a very religious, patriarchal-driven environment right up until I was 16. That really kind of set me on a path of not really being a good partner. And it certainly showed up uh, throughout my life, right? Until I started to learn this stuff. So there's two different things that are going on here. Number one, there is how women feel and think uh, today inside relationships and how men feel and think inside relationships today. And um, it, do we have time? We got fifteen minutes. Okay, Sarah, I got a question for you. If you if you if you don't mind playing, uh, no, it, it's play not, it's not it's not a trick question at all. This is a question that's been asked to tens of thousands of women around the world. Okay, uh, I do have a list of eighty-seven bullet points uh, that women have shared the answer to this question. So uh, you're going to be in great company. Like I said, tens of thousands of women around the world have answered this question. Uh, and here's the question. Sarah, explain to Neil and I, what is your ideal mate? What's the ideal man for Sarah? And just in characteristic bullet points. What a question. You could have given me a heads up on that in the green room. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> right? I think oh, we got hold music. Thank you, Neil. Appreciate that. 
Um, I think my ideal partner would be someone who is aware of the dynamics of our relationship, that they're supportive or know when to back up, someone who will just take the reins, who can see that maybe I'm frazzled and maybe they can cook dinner, or someone that knows that they can support me or I can support them. I think, yeah, it's got to be a two-way street. And one of my biggest values is deep relationships. So if I can't have a deep conversation with someone, then you're not going to be my partner. Okay, great. So a communicator, a deep conversation, somebody that's going to support and have your back, somebody that's going to be there for you, kind of like a best friend. Uh, um, and, and I'm kind of paraphrasing where you've uh, gone with this. And, and Sarah, you're in great company. 98% of the women answering this question, uh, your five that we just talked about there are in that 87 list of quality uh, bullet points. Would you be shocked to know that what you just described is the perfect woman? So in essence, with that comment, basically women in general, this big broad brush, right? But women in general see men as nothing much more than hairy women acting poorly. <laughs> so what is, what is the difference there? What, help me fill in some words. <laughs> okay. The filling in the words here is the majority of women out there have this preconceived idea of a perfect woman is their partner, is the person that they're actually looking for. They really are not taught what is a man or who is a man. What men get taught is basically boils down to three of the most toxic words ever uttered to a man. And here's those three words. Be a man. Yeah. What is that? What, is that? what does it mean? Yeah. We're disposable. Oh. Isn't that horrible? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Neil just passed on to me uh, an amazing new country song. I believe it's new. Um, co-sung by Darius Drucker uh, and uh, the, the main singer is called Dax. Uh, and he, nail, he in his lyrics, he nails it when it comes to what does it feel like to be a man? He truly does. So uh, I offer that to everybody or Neil can put, a, put up the link to YouTube or something uh, and have it up there. The long and short of it is men are, the patriarchy, I, I'm, I'm going to move away from male, female or boy, girl for the moment, because uh, that's so segregating. Uh, and at the same time, that's exactly what happens. We get split apart, right? Mm -hmm. Even with this uh, gendification thing that's going on around the world, uh, there's still the separation, boy, girl, uh, male, female. Uh, you can't get away from it. It's biological. Sorry. Um, you can spout all the ridiculous science that you want. Um, I'm a boy and my partner's a girl. That's as simple as it gets. Uh, I, I don't want to get it confusing. However, we're trained and taught totally separately. Boys are trained for the most part to be unemotional, to not communicate, 
to hold our feelings in because the moment that we do, we get seen as less than. It's not safe. There's a whole list and a whole host of things that go along with it. Uh, and, and this just opens up another big, huge conversation that I share with all of my couples, and it's called breaking patriarchy. And that's exactly what we do within relational life therapy is we break patriarchy apart. Patriarchy is keeping the masculine and the feminine apart from each other. So think of it this way as magnets, right? So uh, the, the masculine energy is the South Pole. The feminine energy is the, the, the North Pole. And right now, because we all live in this patriarchal world, our women, our beautiful women of the world today have to become more masculine to survive and to live in this world. So you have a masculine being the South Pole and the feminine turning to become a South Pole. And when you come together, it now repels instead of attracts like magnets. That is a big... Yeah, that is a big part of the training and the understanding of how men and women are different. We need that masculine feminine perspective. And I have great tools. I don't have time to share that uh, with uh, uh, our audiences today, uh, but there are great tools on how men can support their partners in lowering the testosterone that is coursing through the feminine body, which is the most unhealthiest thing that can happen, right? Testosterone should be the lowest hormonal uh, in the feminine balance, absolute lowest, except it's running the highest, which creates high adrenaline, high cortisol, um, uh, known to create migraines and all sorts of other nasty things in the beautiful body that women have. Um, and again, that just opens up for a whole deeper conversation again. So, and yeah, I'll testify that Rick's got a huge 30 years of, uh, of uh, personal growth tools available to him. And I remember years ago, Rick and I've had a really good, good relationship and a great relationship, but he shared with me uh, years ago um, the. Um, the love languages, the five love languages. And it was the realization that in even in our, you know, male-to-male relationship, we talked, we had different love language needs. And when we, when we both went away and took the test and came back, um, I realized that Rick needed to be dealt with in a different way than then I thought, because I could only view it from my way. So when I realized that, and I knew what Rick's love language was, it was like, holy crap. And just that one little tool made a huge difference in, in our relationship. Um, yeah, you know, it's been wonderful since then. So, to go and find out and spend time with Rick within all of his tool set sets as he's going here and picking what would serve you the best is well worth uh, if your relationships, relationship, whatever it looks like is in trouble or you think it's in trouble, contact Rick. But Rick, how would I know if my relationship is in trouble? 
it's a gut feeling uh, or you're, you know, or you're constantly mad at somebody, you know, there's a whole shopping list of things that a person could say that their relationship is in trouble. Um, you don't need to come to me just because your relationship is in trouble. Uh, you know, if you're on a success path and your partner's kind of dragging a little bit behind, you know, I'm there for you. Um, everybody can use learning how to be in relationship with each other. And if things are going sideways, I also have uh, the offering, which is called conscious uncoupling. And it's basically kind of doing the same work that I would do with couples, but it's about coming to a place that a couple can part consciously and learn the tools that they, that they can grow with and take into their next relationship so that they don't have to seek somebody like me out. So it's, it, so um, would that be available via your website that's going across the screen yeah. now? Is that how people can contact you for conscious uncoupling? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If if that is the case, if you're at that place where uh, I don't want to be married to this person anymore, I can't do this anymore, then let's talk about conscious uncoupling. Uh, I also have relationship 911. That's an intensive weekend. So we work 16 hours, two days, eight hours a day, where I work intensely with one couple solid. Uh, if they're in that place of, um, is this going to be make or break for the relationship? Um, also, I deal with infidelity. And uh, so I deal with infidelity a little bit differently than the majority of them out there. Uh, we don't ask the question, why? Uh, we ask this question, why was the no not big enough? I, I know for myself, yeah, why was the no not big enough? So anyways, I, I just wanted to drop that one. But for the most part, I also work with uh, singles. Uh, if they've had, you know, a, a bad string of relationships, then uh, definitely work with singles. And for the most part, couples. Uh, and it doesn't matter what dynamic of that couple is. Uh, it's... Everybody can use improvement and it is relationship recovery. Uh, we all have our complex traumas that we all grew up in. Um, I haven't met a person yet that hasn't gone through some level of dysfunction growing up, which is now showing up in the relationship and it's showing up basically unconsciously that I can help them get conscious about and start making better choices on how to be in that relationship. And yeah, that's, that's the, that in itself is beautiful because we all have our, our luggage that we're carrying with us. And if you can uh, learn to, with a, with some sessions, learn to lighten the load and mm -hmm. carry a backpack instead of the steamer trunks. Um, that's, that's wonderful. So, Sarah, what are you working on lately? I know you've been doing some beautiful artwork, but what are you doing? I have been doing some beautiful artwork. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time with hot glue and cardboard of late, which has been fantastic. Um, 
I, I love, as an art therapist, I love the dynamics of, of working with mixed media. So if anyone would like to reach out to me to do an art therapy session, I'd be more than happy to work with you one-on-one. -on -one. I'm not doing groups at the moment, just, just not in that in that vibe at the moment. However, um, be more than happy to send you through a, a excuse me, I'm going to sneeze. Oh, I'm going to say it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> colouring in book that I've been working on is a, a shadow healing stuff. So if you'd like to get in touch, you'd be more than welcome to do that. Um, further to what you and Rick were saying, I'd just like to add something that's helped me in between relationships was attachment theory and, and more awareness of. So we don't have time to go into that today. However, I just wanted to add my two cents that if, if, if you are in between relationship or you want to learn more about your stuff, there are so many ways you can do that, whether it's in a conscious or an unconscious level, and that's what art therapy does. It does a bit of both. So thank you for asking, Neil. I appreciate you. And for you, what are you working on currently? Oh, my. November is National Novel Writing Month, and I've decided I am trying to write a novel in 30 days. It normally takes me two years so I've been doing that. I've been taking training. And in the same time, I launched uh, uh, a one-on-one uh, -on -one challenge, five days to come work with me one-on-one -on -one and to uh, help find focus, purpose, life, passion, what's keeping you stuck. And so, and I'm gifting um, two people, if you're if you're listening right now, I'm gifting two people the opportunity to work with me for free, and I don't normally gift anything for free. <laughs> so I'd love to have you come and uh, and uh, jump aboard if you're looking for a little purpose and passion in your life. And I'm looking at the clock, and I'm going, oh my, calm down, Neil, calm down. We're we're uh, we're needing to wrap this up. So as I Take a moment to ground. I want to thank Rick for taking the time. He's been busy and he's um, got crazy things going on in his life. And I just want to know, tell our audience that whatever you're going through, take a moment. There are people, there are places you can reach out to that from their heart would love to serve and support you. And... With that, know that you're loved. Rick, have you got anything to share? <sighs> yeah, just, just to wrap up here. A healthy, happy, passionate relationship we all deserve. And it is possible. As long as you're willing to get out of your own way. With that, thank you so much for being here. And uh, yeah, uh, it, it's been an absolute blast. Loved every moment of it. Well, we certainly thank you, Rick, for your time and energy joining us with Neil and I are playing producer at the same time. <laughs> We're going back and forth. And we appreciate you. We appreciate you, our audience too, and trust that you've got something out of it. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to Rick Neal or myself, I know you know how to do that. And if you've got any questions or if you'd like to see something on Uplift in the future, please get in touch. From us to you, we appreciate you, and we will see you in a fortnight. Go out there and create Uplifting Conversations. Care.